From the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Life was about to collapse into chaos for the disciples. There they were that night in the upper room on the evening before Jesus' betrayal and crucifixion. Absolutely nothing they could do would change the fact that their life was about to collapse into chaos. All that they would be able to do was cling to what they knew to be true, certain, and trust in God. Perhaps you are there right now. You know what it means to not be able to do anything to change your circumstances. And the only thing that you can do is cling to what you know to be true and to trust in God. I remember going through the deaths of my parents. I remember going through the stillbirth of my daughter, Sarah, and feeling so helpless in those moments. There was absolutely nothing I could do except cling to what I know to be true and to trust in God. Here in our text this morning, the disciples' lives are about to collapse into chaos. And Jesus speaks into that darkness those famous words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. That's what Jesus means, particularly in the Gospel of John, when he says believe, he means trust. Trust in God. But Jesus then goes on to say, trust in me also. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, Jesus said. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. We can depend upon the words of Jesus. If it were not so, he would tell us differently. And he says here in this text to those frightened disciples that night, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. That should be the greatest desire of our hearts as Christians to simply be where Jesus is. 
Heaven for us is the place where Jesus is. Heaven on earth for us is to be in the presence of Jesus here. Heaven for eternity is to be in the presence of Jesus for eternity. Our greatest desire should be where Jesus is, to constantly seek his presence. If you've known me for long, you've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jack C. the Wonder Dog. Jack C. is probably my best friend. When I'm around Jack C., Jack C.'s wherever I am. And the same is true for my wife, Tammy. Jack C. loves to be with me. Jack C.'s burning desire in life as my dog is to be where I am. And when I change rooms, Jaxie changes rooms, and sometimes I have to go and stand by Jaxie's food and water to get him to eat and drink because if there's a choice between eating and drinking and being with me, Jaxie had rather be with me. The greatest desire of the Christian is to be where Jesus is. That's what heaven is all about for us, heaven on earth and in and heaven in the kingdom to come. So he says, I will come back and I will take you to that place that I'm preparing for you. And that is the place where I will be. And then he says to the disciples, you know the way to the place where I'm going. At that point, I'm so glad that Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, asked a question of Jesus. I'm so grateful for Thomas. He frequently would start in doubt, but he'd get beyond the doubt. I'm grateful for Thomas because Thomas frequently would ask really good questions. Here in this text in John 14, after Jesus says, I'm going away, preparing the place for you, I will come back and take you to where I am. He says to them, you know where I'm going, but Thomas was brave enough to say, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way, Jesus? I'm so grateful for Thomas's question because Thomas's question to Jesus that evening in the upper room elicited from Jesus one of the most significant, one of the most controversial statements Jesus made. Jesus answered Thomas and said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Those are among some of the most controversial words of Jesus in the gospel. At least for the last 200 years, these have been controversial words of Jesus. And that's really a shame because these words present to us one of the greatest gifts ever offered to the human family. But because of who we are, human nature, our, our tendency to skepticism, we have taken this gift and turned it into some of the most controversial words Jesus speaks in the gospel. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes, no one comes to the Father except through me. N.T. Wright is one of the most significant contemporary New Testament scholars writing today. 
N.T. Wright, who is a bishop in the Church of England and a tremendous New Testament scholar, said this, wrote this, pertaining to what Jesus says here. Jesus' reply has haunted and confronted the world's imagination. I am the way, Jesus says. If you want to know how to get to the Father's house, you must come with me. Within the Western world, N.T. Wright says, of the last two centuries or so, this saying of Jesus has become one of the most controversial. How dare he, people have asked. I know professing Christians for whom it seems that their central article of faith is their rejection of this idea of Jesus' uniqueness. It isn't just John's gospel, N.T. Wright goes on to say, that you lose if you embrace this rejection. The whole New Testament, the whole of early Christianity insists that the one true and living God, the Creator, is the God of Israel and that the God of Israel has acted decisively within history in Jesus Christ to bring Israel's story to its proper goal to rescue the world. The idea, N.T. Wright concludes, the idea of a vague general truth to which all religions bear some kind of oblique witness is foreign to Christianity. This statement about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest gifts that Jesus spoke to the world, but it's become a means of great controversy in the modern era. And we should never hold this truth with arrogance. We need to be careful how we present this truth to the world, but present this truth to the world we must. Jesus is the way. Without him, there is no going. There may be many ways to Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. When you ask Jesus for directions, he doesn't just give you advice and tell you directions, but he takes you by the hand and he takes you with him. Jesus is the truth. And without him, there is no knowing. I know that in our culture of postmodernism, there seems to be in many people's minds no concept of objective truth. In this world of postmodernism, it seems like people think everything is relative. You can have your truth, I can have my truth. But the New Testament presents truth. And the New Testament presents Jesus Christ as truth. Remember Pontius Pilate, when he had Jesus there before him at his trial, Pontius Pilate said rather sarcastically, what is truth? As if no one could ever know truth. And isn't that sad? Because truth was standing right there in front of Pontius Pilate. For us, truth is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is referred to in the New Testament as the Word of God, capital W, Word of God. And that means that Jesus Christ is 
the expression of God's mind. Jesus said he is the truth. Jesus said he is the life. Without him there is no living. Last week we talked about the passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus said, I am the gate to the sheepfold. And we talked about how Jesus Christ at that point is proclaiming that he is the point of access into the sheepfold. He is the point of access into the life that God has for us. And that's why at the end of that passage that we looked at last week, where we learned that Jesus is the gateway to life, Jesus says in John 10.10 that I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. In Jesus Christ, we find life because he is life. When we're looking at the New Testament in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there we see Jesus living in a way that expresses his divinity. There in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see Jesus doing things that are only the prerogative of deity. We see Jesus forgiving sins in general. We see Jesus controlling nature with simply his spoken word. When we turn to the Gospel of John, it's not just in the actions of Jesus, but throughout John's Gospel, we hear the words of Jesus as Jesus speaks, making it clear who he is. In the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus making audacious, outlandish, even out of this world claims such as, I and the Father are one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not just a way, not just a truth, not just some degree of life, but I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In the Gospel of John, every time Jesus offers one of these I am statements, the mind of the Hebrew listeners there in the first century would go back to the book of Exodus chapter 3 where when Moses asked God there at the burning bush for his name, God responded simply by saying, I am that I am. So every time Jesus says, I am, he is hearkening back to Exodus chapter 3. Every time Jesus says, I am, he is claiming deity for himself. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Perhaps one of the greatest books written about the Christian faith in the 20th century was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, that great defender of the Christian faith, that great Oxford scholar and defender of the Christian faith. In Mere Christianity, he made that startling claim that when you deal with Jesus and the words of Jesus in the New Testament, you only have three options presented to you. He is either a liar, he's not really the way, the truth, and the life, or he's a lunatic. I mean, what human being would walk around and say such things? Or 
He is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. So to you, to me today, Jesus is looking at us and speaking perhaps into our darkness and saying, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, but that also means trusting in me. In my Father's house, Jesus said, are many dwelling places. That means there's room for all, whosoever may come. But we need to remember that we must come on his terms and not on our terms. Jesus has not stuttered. Jesus has not lied. When Jesus goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've got to bow before Jesus and accept Jesus' claims and accept Jesus' claims on our lives. He tells us who he is. He tells us who he is for us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the ways that you're speaking to each one of us. We ask, God, that you will give us ears to hear what you are saying to us today. We thank you for the gift of these words. We know, God, that they are audacious, outlandish, even otherworldly claims that Jesus is making. Give us the faith to receive what Jesus is saying to us. And then give us the joy of embracing the way, the truth, and the life so that we can find the fullness of life that's being offered to us in Jesus Christ, that life which indeed is life more abundant. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.